0: Good morning Hillcrest Baptist Church and visitors so happy to see uh, some visitors here with us this morning I want to remind you that we are going to share in communion together at the end of the service so you may want to think throughout this uh, service as we preach the word and as you listen uh, you may want to think about your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and where you stand with regards to that and you also may want to open your Bibles at 1st Peter chapter 3 as you heard Bruce say that it's part of a series, so if you uh, listen to the preaching this morning and you may think that your friend or your spouse spoke to me and asked me to preach on something specifically for you, it's not intended, it's part of the series, it's God's sovereignty that today's message is today's message. I must say that it spoke very harshly to me personally. And I had to ask this question that I want to ask you before we read. When you woke up this morning, just think for a moment, what were your first thoughts? Were your first thoughts about the joy of coming to church? Were your first thoughts about the concerns that you have for your life? I'm not going to say where I landed, because it may either sound hopeless or it may sound arrogant. But that's our challenge, and it's also the central message of today. Where is your hope, and how do you show it? Hence the title, Hopeless World, Holy Christ. So let's read together 1 Peter 3, verse 13 to 17. You may want to keep your finger there in the text, because we'll refer back to the important points in these verses. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Blessed. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Middle-aged man walked into the church a few weeks ago, and he sat down to my right-hand side towards the back. He looked sincerely interested and listened to the message. The message was from Acts 4 verse 12, and by now you know this is imaginary and not real. It was a challenging and even convicting message, so go with me in your imagination. The message explained that salvation is found in no one else. Jesus is the only name given to men by which men can be saved. Imagine this man sitting close to you and at the end of the message, clearly convicted, maybe slightly confused, he turns to you and he asks, What do I have to do to be saved? What would you do? Do you know what you should do? Or is your go-to plan to play it safe and find someone else to help? Peter indicates by the words in the passage we want to look at today that there is a better way than relying on other people to explain the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. The better way, according to Peter, is found in your heart. Who Jesus is for you personally. Let me show you the central idea in the verses deserving our attention today, and then we will dig into the verses to find the morsels that will encourage our appetite to have more hope. Just look at 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Two very important words you'll find there. Holy and hope. Christ is holy And therefore we as Christians must display hope. Read with me, 1 Peter 3 verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. If Christ is known to be holy, then you must be able to give reasons for your hope. If in your heart you can find Those reasons for hope, it must be based on the holiness of Christ. Then you must be able to give reasons, which assumes that you have hope. Hence the title of this message, Hopeless World, Holy Christ. So there are four preparations. Be prepared to give hope. There are preparations to help you show the value of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus. First one, be prepared to do good. Second, be prepared to receive bad. Don't like that one, right? Be prepared to be committed. Depending on what I think about commitment, yes. Be prepared to give hope. So let's start with the first one. Be prepared to do good. First Peter 3 verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Peter spent most of the previous chapters explaining how Christians should live in a hostile world, knowing that these readers of that time lived in a hostile world. And he makes it clear that we must live in such a way in this world that we enable evangelism. Why does God leave you here after he saves you? It's so that you can be a representation of the good news about Jesus Christ. You can glorify Him much better in heaven. You can worship Him much better in heaven. You are here to enable evangelism. Peter says so in the previous verses. You are called, saved, to live a salvation-enabling lifestyle in all aspects of your life, as a citizen in this country, as an employee wherever you work, as a husband and wife as you live together. Last time in 1 Peter 3, verse 8 to 12, we saw that if you want to love your life and have good days, you must follow Jesus by being an example that will attract people to Him, to Jesus. What is the end goal? So that many people will be saved. So here in 1 Peter 3, verse 13 to 7, Peter gives us a condensed and focused four-part priority list. Give people a reason to want to know about Jesus. And Peter starts with, be prepared to do good. Most people will want to do good. Most people will want to be acknowledged for being good. The fact is, Christians are judged more harshly by the world. They have been, are still today, and will be in the future. Compared to any other philosophy or religion, Christians are judged more harshly. You may have heard skeptics to your faith say something like this. And he claims to be a Christian. If that is what Christians do, I don't, nothing, I don't want nothing to do with them. Or the opposite. That man does so much good, and he's not even a Christian. Mahatma Gandhi was a Hindu, non-violent activist for the poor who lived in India and South Africa from the late 1800s to the mid-1900s, and he said this of Christians, I like your Christ, but not your Christianity. Christians above all others are seeking after wealth. Their aim is to be rich at the expense of their neighbors. They come among aliens to exploit them for their own good and cheat them to do so. Their prosperity is far more essential to them than the life, liberty, and happiness of others. The Christians are the most warlike people. Mahatma Gandhi. Well, how about that's that's now a Hindu, so we can understand hostility towards Christianity. What about the general public, the man in the street? It is shockingly displayed in a board game. If you go and look up on the internet, Christian board games. This one comes up. It's called Fleece the Flock. I, I think it displays The man in the streets opinion about Christianity this is what it does yes and I took this from the advert it's not my own words not my own summary of the game this is what you do you take on the role of a televangelist trying to amass your empire of TV stations theme parks stretch limos record companies missions and corporate jets starting with only 50 million dollars look out for devil angel and God's will cards Through it all, you will be gripped by intrigue, strategy, and subterfuge that is sure to keep everyone in tingling suspense. Peter's encouragement of who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good is not out of place at all, is it? Peter confirms that most people will find it difficult to harm you when you are known for your goodness. So it is good advice. So you may want to think about how you react in normal life if we would ask your neighbor, for example, the teller at the pay point of the shop, the government official where you renewed your driver's license. Oh, and our favorite, if we would ask the taxi driver who cut you off as you were driving on Tuesday morning. Is this a good person? When someone wants to harm you, And there are are those who interacted with you in the last week. Will any one of them say, no, 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 don't harm him or her. This is a good person. In order to show the value of Jesus in your life, the holiness of Jesus, you must be prepared to do good. Look out for opportunities to show goodness. Be prepared to do good. Number two, be prepared to receive bad please don't just click out here just listen me out and you'll see the value in this there is good news in the bad news first Peter 3 verse 14 and 17 but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed have no fear of them nor be troubled then verse 17 for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil very grateful as I prepared this and I got my structure ready if you know What we as preachers do, we get the structure ready, you get the main idea, and then you want the structure so that you, listen, have hooks to hang the message on. And I was pleased to see that uh, John MacArthur copied mine almost, (laughs) almost as either. He has five points. I've got four. But this one specifically encouraged me because he also split the verses, and I wasn't sure about this. So the words, but even if, at the beginning of verse 14 indicates a maybe, doesn't it? There's no guarantee that you will not suffer if and when you do good. But even maybe if you do suffer and when you do good, that's fine. But you may suffer less when you do good compared to when you do bad. Equally, even if you suffer for a good cause, you will be blessed. So even if you have to suffer, so you may not, but if you do, You'll be blessed, says Peter. Don't be surprised or shocked when you do encounter suffering. Jesus suffered. Didn't surprise him. In fact, he made it clear that you should not be surprised. You should expect suffering. And Peter made it clear in the previous chapters. But Christian, part of your preparation to receive bad is the reminder that suffering for you as a Christian comes with blessing. Every time Here's an example, previously in First Peter, chapter one, verse six and seven. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here is the blessing, the praise. And glory and honor of Jesus. 1 Peter 2 verse 20, the blessing is that God approves of your attitude and suffering. In 1 Peter 4 verse 12 to 16, your joy in suffering brings greater appreciation for the joy everlasting. Suffering for the right reason and with the right attitude brings blessing. To be prepared for the bad means to be reminded Doing good may result in suffering. Doing bad will probably result in suffering. But suffering for good or bad brings a blessing for you as a believer. Comrades Marathon, last week, I didn't get half as tired as the previous time. We stood next to the road for almost three hours. It was less difficult than the previous time because we were better prepared. That's the essential message. But those of you who went through the trauma and the trials and the trouble of preparing for that marathon and then running it with the the pain and the suffering throughout that, why would you do it? (laughs) For the result, for the achievement, for the medal, for the certificate. So be prepared to suffer in this life. That means that you are able to suffer while showing the right attitude. Suffering in a slow queue. Be patient. Suffering without electricity. Grateful heart for the quiet. Maybe. Suffering because of little money. A friend of mine says he's so glad he doesn't have money because there are many sins that he just can't afford. (laughs) Tongue in cheek, yes, but much truth in that. Suffer because family or friends reject you and your faith. Grateful for your family in Christ. We have seen so far that in order to show the holiness of Christ, you must be prepared to do good, and you must be prepared to receive the bad. Number three: be prepared for commitment. First Peter three, verse 15, the first part. Start reading in verse 14. It ends with, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And then verse 15 reads, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. What does Peter mean by this? Peter is is saying that you should not fear those who could harm you. So don't be concerned about them. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But, on the contrary, so don't fear the providers of suffering when you do good. Don't fear the providers of suffering when you do wrong. Rather, fear the fear what they fear. I'll explain. Do any of you have a phobia? My wife has one. She has arachnophobia. She can walk into any building and tell you that there's a spider. And I have to kill it. There's a fear of clowns. Kulrophobia. There's a fear of heights. Acrophobia. And there's even a fear of fear. Phobophobia. (laughs) I have that. I'm afraid of being afraid. I find it a challenge, that fear of fear, of what people can do or think. I prepare a lesson or a sermon, and I fear how some people may react to what I say. So when Peter wrote these words in verse 14 and 15, he got it from Isaiah 8, verse 12 to 13. It reads as follows. Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And for those of you who think immediately back at COVID, it it wasn't there then yet, so it doesn't mean that. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. So we can then understand what Peter is saying. Do not fear what the evildoers fear. Don't have the same fear as the evildoers. Do not dread what the evildoers dread, those who want to harm you. Instead, fear what God can do. Dread what is possible when God acts. Then Peter gives the answer. Don't fear the things. Instead, fight the fear by honoring Christ the Lord as holy. In your hearts when you honor Christ the Lord as holy in your heart you affirm your submission to his control he is Lord you affirm your submission to his instruction and guidance in honoring Jesus the Lord as holy you also declare that Jesus is sovereign and you submit to God's majesty you also demonstrate That you fear only him. The pagans fear suffering. The pagans fear those who can bring suffering. They don't fear God. You don't fear suffering. You fear God. You fear Jesus because Jesus is the Holy Lord. He is creator, sustainer, redeemer, saviour, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, High Priest, Advocate, God with us, Master, Teacher, Author and Perfecter of our faith, Lamb of God, and more. He holds all things together. He loves, blesses, guides, cares, invites, forgives. But he is also judge. We see it clearly in Acts 10, verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. So, before we get to point four, we looked at one, two, and three. Be prepared to do good. Be prepared to receive bad. Be prepared to be committed to Jesus. How will you know and show you fear Jesus more than the things of this world? How will you know and show that you consider the Lord Jesus Christ as holy Lord in your hearts? Verses 15 and 16 of 1 Peter brings us to our last point. Be prepared to give hope. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, Do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Always be prepared. Make a defense with gentleness and respect, with good conscience, so that those who make you suffer for doing good may be put to shame. Back to our question when we started this morning. What would you do? When someone asks you that very worthwhile and important question. What must I do to be saved? Will you go to the verses that explains justification or election? Will you try and convince them of repentance? Or will you explain the doctrines of atonement? How about the Romans wrote that most of us have learned? Are you able at all to do any of these? Because remember, Peter says you must be prepared. Or will you play it safe and find someone else to help? So as Peter is saying, be prepared to explain redemption. Be prepared to teach them election. Be prepared to walk them through the salvation verses in Romans. Peter is saying that you must be prepared, yes. But Christian, you must know how to answer the basic questions of your faith, right? Right? How can I get saved? Who is Jesus? Because many people will say, I believe in Jesus. But what do you believe about Jesus is important. And the question of what is the problem with how I live is important to answer. But Peter seems to indicate that knowledge is not at the heart of showing the holiness of Christ. Peter gives a surprising comment. Be prepared to make a defense... To anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Go to the hope in you. Where is your hope? In your heart. What is your heart? Whenever you read the word heart in the Bible, it is where you make decisions, it is where your emotions are, where your your desires are. It is that part of your character that jumps out when you are under pressure. Your heart shows up in actions and words when you are put under pressure. When you suffer, for good or bad, your heart is placed on display. Now I have to ask, are you hopeful or are you hopeless? How will people describe you when you wave at the taxi, when raising your voice at the go-slow licensing clock? How will people describe you confirming the points of discussion about the poor service delivery and corruption and crime and blatant sin? How will your friends describe you when you join in and agree with those who spread doom and gloom? If we could play back the last two hours of your thoughts about other people, will we find hope there? Are you showing? And are you living in hope? Would any of your friends, family, or colleagues want to worship your Jesus if they listen to your everyday conversations? Filled with hope or filled with hopelessness? Be prepared to display the hope. Give hope. Let me try and summarize it for us. If someone comes and asks, why are you not hopeless? Then you must be prepared. You must be able to explain gently, patiently, respectfully that Jesus is your only hope and righteousness. There is no one like him. And you must be honest when you give an explanation. You must know by experience also, not by knowledge only. Knowing Jesus as the Holy Lord makes you go through the troubles of this life good or bad, showing your hope. If you neglect relating to Jesus, you will lose hope. If you neglect your prayer life, if you neglect reading and studying the Bible, if you neglect what the church makes available to help you in that process, don't be surprised if you are hopeless. It is in the joyful studying of the word that you become aware of who Jesus is and what he does for you personally. How do you think about this day? when You woke up this morning. Did you think, well, another day, I will, I will, I will convince myself to rejoice and be glad? Or can you rejoice and be glad because of the hope in your heart because of Jesus? Are you a Christian at all? If you're not sure today, then this kind of hope is possible for you. You can fill your mind with the value, the holiness of Jesus, and you will prepare yourself more and more to explain your hope. If you're not a Christian, you are hopeless. But God is willing to change your whole life. How about stopping your rebellion today? How about meeting the Christ, the Holy Lord, today? For the rest of us, belong to God will you commit again to be prepared to show the holiness of Jesus the Lord in your hope-filled life will you let's pray father as we bow before you we confess that we are not sufficiently able to represent the Lord Jesus Christ as holy in our hearts Because so often we are influenced by the troubles of this life. We so easily let our minds go to that place where we don't see the hope. But we thank you for these words that Peter wrote, that we can use again as we think about them, as we apply it to our lives, and as we speak it into our hearts, as we remind our decision-making and our emotions and our desires, That our greatest desire must be the Lord Jesus Christ and to be like him. And that our emotions about the troubles of of this life is actually not important at all. But that our love and our worship and our desire to glorify Christ must be preeminent. Help us, Lord, to do that. And help us then as Christians to show, even and especially in troubled times, that we have everlasting hope and that it is in Christ the Holy Lord in whose name we pray. Amen.